Welcome to Steam Powered Scoundrels, a Malifaux podcast. Episode 16 Feed of Children. Alright, uh, welcome back to Steam Powered Scoundrels. Uh, there was no joke this time, sadly. I blame my two new uh, recording friends here for all of that. So, um,. We have two brand new people to the show. Why don't we introduce them first? First up is Ben. Yeah, hi. I'm Ben. I'm out of uh, Omaha, Omaha. Uh, I don't know. What else do you want me to say? Yeah, what's your experience with uh, war games in Malfa? Okay, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm a new third edition player. So I've, uh, I, p- I picked up Guild because Lady Justice looked cool on the box. Um, and I like the whole... Like sinister bureaucrats from steampunk land idea. Um, I, I had dreams that they were surely the strongest faction on the basis of such amazing artwork. Uh, and I, and then I started reading stuff and listening to podcasts. I'm a refugee from Imperial Assault for my previous wargaming. So, uh, Imperial Assault is a fantasy flight game. Uh, I, we're all pretty sure that they got sued out of continuing it because it uses puzzle piece tiles. And we, we think Hasbro came down on them for it being a board game, which they have the rights to, instead of uh, a mini game, which Fantasy Flight has the light rights to. So Fantasy Flight shifted into Legion. Um, I got belligerent and decided to do something else. I like the skirmish size, and so uh, Malifaux just looked cool. And I spent the last year uh, picking up Vassal games by telling people, I'm your Huckleberry, so... Uh, so your Huckleberry is my, um, my forum name and Cowboys seem like a natural transition point. So, uh, here I am. All right. And the other kind host we have today is, well, I guess yeah. I'm the only host. I, I don't know what to call you guys. Where, where, are, where are you? Guests? Your guests. Your guests. Why like, can't I? Yeah, yeah. guests. Why can't I remember the word guest? Okay. Other guest is Nate. Not the Nate you think of. Other Nate. No, this is the other Nate. So... Plays Malifaux out of central Minnesota, uh, city of St. Cloud. Yeah, I'm pure, uh, I'm pretty much the Bayou player. It feels like my faction sometimes because it doesn't seem like too many other people are really interested into the, in the whole aesthetic or the, the little ambiance the, the Bayou brings. The uh, flavor. I fell in love with it. Yeah, pretty much. I, when I first p- picked up a Malifaux, I was looking at Rezzers or Bayou and it was the, it was the Ulix box that kind of sold me, even though I didn't get that right off the bat. I was, I did uh, Ophelia in Summer. That's where I kind of started off. I was thinking that they would go together. So I was like, well, these look, these look like, like items together. They might, might want a big army. <laughs> and that's just, that's just, that was just the nature of uh, how second edition worked. Things crossed, like, no problem. But I did get the pigs eventually. That was kind of the selling point. But I, I, I do tend to like the whole skeletal recursion strategy in a lot of these games. So as far as uh, beginning with wargaming, uh, it was, uh, God, what was the game called? Mage Knight. Kind of, ah. You pick up the packs and you just yeah, play on that. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I got started with minis. I was totally a card gamer and I always have been magic. And then as a poor kid, uh, I I discovered the the vitality of dead games. Trying to, uh, <laughs> I remember going to a game. Of, we had a store called Shinders, and there's twenty five cents per pack for Deadlands. I was just like, I got twenty bucks, and I'm you know, broke, but I want a huge collection. So I walked out with like a hundred uh, Deadlands packs and all, I just went around and I started picking up dead game after dead game. 
and just played them. We had about eight friends that would get into them. And so that was card games. But eventually I got on to Lord of the Rings, the battle strategy game. So I, I loved the whole, the Lord of the Rings, I loved books. We wanted to play armies. We wanted a, a giant board. So me and my brother kind of bought into that, learned how to paint based off of that. When you're throwing a hundred orcs, you got plenty of practice there. If you actually commit to painting all of them, which, which we did, even though we were terrible. But yeah, eventually we came across Malifaux. It was a, actually a Mr. Graves model. That was the very first thing that we had seen. We came into this game store and he must have been cleaning out the back where he just had a bunch of stuff sitting on the counter. It was just like, this is all free. And there was a Mr. Graves and we were like, this looks pretty cool. I love the, the dark eyes that a lot of these models have. So we went online and we just kind of picked up the game from there. Cool. I'm genuinely surprised neither of you said it at Games Workshop, really. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is a, the Lord of the Rings battle strategy. Oh, yeah, it's right. Okay. I guess I was thinking yeah. more like either fantasy or 40k. Doesn't hmm. feel like it, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, all right. So we are going to also talk about, I always feel like I'm behind Kyle on this. We're also going to talk about the tournament I ran a week ago. We're recording on Saturday, the 16th. And the name of the tournaments I do so love so much is Fomoin and the Mystery of the Paddleboat Massacre. Yeah, I'm curious, where do you get these from? You just kind of wing it. Was there an inspiration behind these? Kind of just came up with a name that I like that sounds Malifoe. I mean, that's usually been my standard for all of my tournaments. And yeah, then, I play through the breach. I do through the breach too, and I know you're a big fluff guy. Oh so yeah. I'm like, is this is this somewhere? Like, is this in the book somewhere that you kind of like you grab it? And this is a little actually kind of. So this okay. one, I decided that um, I'm kind of plugging the idea of the local Des Moines meta to be called Fomoin, and so mm-hmm. I'm I'm now going to hopefully preface all of my tournament names with Fomoin, and then the rest of it is going to kind of sound like a Hardy Boys novel. <laughs> okay. Which I. I honestly really like. So, yeah, this is the mystery of the Paddleboat Massacre. And actually, there is something in the fluff. It's not necessarily a mystery um, that they do explain in the um, Bayou uh, supplement for Through the Breach that uh, Sillerids will just sometimes eat the entire crew of a paddleboat overnight, and then the, the abandoned ship eventually becomes a gremlin town. Yep. yep. So that's kind of where the idea came from, so... Hmm. Look forward to other just ridiculously long names in the future. It's going to be great. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm looking forward to Hardy Boys alt sculpts for the Victorias. So <laughs> <laughs> only if one of them's in a thong. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, um, I have a few show notes here that uh, I want to explain to everyone, and this is more or less me promising to the community at large. Because if I don't, I feel like I'm going to lax. But I have some people that have volunteered to help edit. And editing has always been the thing that has taken the longest for me to get episodes out. But now that I have help, I should be able to start putting things out more regularly. And the goal is hopefully to get to um, two a month or once every twice a week. So uh, look forward to more steam-powered scandals if you enjoy us or... um, not if you why are you listening to this we don't like us but um yeah uh baby's doing fine and we finally kind of gotten to the point where we're getting a little bit of sleep at night so i'll I'll be able to put more work into this hooray and she's not even crying even though she's like five feet from me and she just likes to scream randomly 
Anyways, let's get into the tournament. Now, I didn't get to play this one, and that was a good thing. I, I framed it like it was a bad thing, but it's actually a good thing, uh, because I gotta <laughs> do a lot more stuff. But these two guys got to play, so they're gonna regale us with their rounds. But first of all, I get to talk about running a tournament, because all y'all are super excited about that, all three of you that are TOs. So, um, we decided that at some point that I'm probably going to be running tournaments for the majority of the Des Moines meta from now on. Kyle's going to be running our, our league. And that's fine. I like, I kind of like running tournaments, and I don't think I'm good enough to ever, like, be on, you know, the top meta scene. So, um, we're going to start doing that. So, the, uh, wanted to get something in in October, but, uh, the schedule was full up, so I had to push it back to November. So that's when we were going to do it. And I was hoping that Weird would finally start coming out with tournament prize packs. It looks like they've updated their stuff, so we should be seeing that soon, but I didn't get around to actually getting anything from them. So I was feeling like garbage. So at this point, I only had just a few knickknacks and then the store credit to go off of. So I really wasn't in a place to just buy a bunch of prizes for people, too. So I decided I would bribe all of you with food instead. <laughs> Donuts. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Uh, I mine had uh, mine had Fruit Loops on it, if I remember. Oh yeah, that was something else. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I was sitting there thinking, like, a tank of gas, ten dollar entry fee, but I get a donut. Like economically, that's a wash. So <laughs> bribed. Well, well, I'll tell you, like the the real brilliance is like the store that ran it, like gave out. I, I mean, I don't know what the low end was, but I I think I picked up seventeen bucks of store credit, and like I bought the Perdita box with it, and. Yeah. You know, like between ten dollar entry fee and whatever profit margin is, like they're probably making money on us. So <laughs> I, I, I'm sure they had a good day. Yeah, especially with eighteen people. Jeez, we're slowly becoming one of the most popular games at that store. You know, barring Mal, uh, not Malfa Magic and all the other ridiculously popular card games. But uh, as you guys kind of, you didn't really allude to, but the fact that one of you is from Nebraska and the other one's from Minnesota, we had um, the majority, I think of tournament goers uh, from out of town. So really, I feel obligated to put on a good show for you guys to give you a good reason to come back. So, yeah, I ended up buying donuts. Uh, I ended up making cookies with the wife. Uh, thank you, Victoria. She did most of the work. I did them in, all the, in the four main faction colors, but I don't think anyone noticed. Yeah, it's not by you. It doesn't <laughs> don't care. I rooted around for some guild-colored cookies. <laughs> And last, but I think probably the most important, I actually handed out water, and going forward, even if I have a ton of prizes, I think I'm going to still try and do that, because that's something everyone really needs, and some people forget to hydrate, and so uh, all this other stuff, y'all UTOs listening, uh, you probably don't need to do, but consider handing out water. It's cheap, and I think everyone appreciated it, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, after, <laughs> yeah. it's... it's but on the on the turnaround between round two and round three, that's always the hardest. Like my am fried personally, like I'm just drained, and it's really hard. That, that last round is always a slog based on how fed I am or how hydrated I am. <laughs> well, um, let's see. Didn't do a bunch of different things from the last time. Um, went and made everyone uh, fill out their uh, their crews, as well as the usual like what their score was and what they picked. And that went well again, so I'm pretty confident I'm just going to keep doing it moving forward. I extended the rounds out to 2 hours and 15 minutes, and while uh, a lot of people still didn't finish within that time, we didn't get very many, like, turn 3 finishes, 
So I'm kind of thinking I'm probably going to keep it around uh, 2 hours, 15 minutes moving forward. However, I still think that second break is not long enough. We have a, an hour-long break between the first round and the second round for people to get lunch. And then only 15 minutes to uh, go from round two to round three. And I, I believe Kyle pointed it out. It's like, since I'm requiring you guys, asking you nicely to fill out your cruise sheets, that's also another thing you have to do among all the other stuff. So I'm probably going to either extend it out for maybe five to ten more minutes and then just start a little bit earlier. You guys, for from out of town, if I started the tournament at 10.30, would that be too much of a headache? Uh, considering how far I'm driving, uh, 15, 20 more minutes is not a big deal at all. Uh, there's only one bathroom there, if I remember, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was literally late to my round three game with Nate because I, I walked across the store to the other bathroom, waited for somebody, ran in, ran out, and I, I didn't think, I, I felt we moved with dispatch, but like everyone else had started, so. Yeah, that gets a little more brutal with the bigger the tournament it gets, so the yeah. bigger the draw, the, the bigger that line is going to be, plus there was a large board game or magic game going on as well, so. Well, the good thing is it seems like uh, they are going to expand. It looks like Mayhem will be buying the restaurant that's next to them, and so we I believe that will be their game space. So we'll have whatever facilities the restaurant has, but probably at least a couple bathrooms. <laughs> okay. Yeah, nice. Yep. Um, we had 18 people, I think that was mentioned, which is the largest non-convention tournament I've ever had. And we had a lot of people say that they wanted to make it but couldn't, so the next one might be even bigger, which is real nice. Uh, sadly, we had a kind of latecomer show up, and since that put us on... I forgot the word odd numbers. Since we had odd numbers, I was I had to just kindly ask them that uh, they couldn't do it, because I didn't have anyone volunteer for a ringer, and this tournament... Want a ring? I wanted to do a good <laughs> job... But good job. So I was like, damn, I got to play right now? Damn. Yeah. Um, but ready with filling out all the stuff I have to, or at least I'm, I'm putting on myself to fill out, it's just not going to be a good match for anyone I play. So, yeah, I had to, sadly had to ask someone that to, that they couldn't play or tell someone they couldn't play. But they hopefully... Play yeah, they're a local, so... Okay, sure. I, I, w- I would have figured it out if it was someone outside. Or I would have just, like, kicked Kyle Bodie because he doesn't need to play. <laughs> he doesn't need to do the tour now, or just make Kyle play two boards next to each other. <laughs> that, that dude's got a lot of models. Ah, love you, Kyle. All right, so eighteen people, and I guess the other new thing I tried to do, and it didn't really work out, just because no one seemed people were busy. I was going to sort of not live stream, but open discussion. I would post the stats, and then I invited people over to the Discord to start, you know, to chat about stuff as uh, it was being revealed. I'd take pictures and whatnot. And, uh, no one bit, but not a lot of people know or are on the Discord, and they might have not seen the link I posted on a weird place. So I'll try it again. If you guys, if anyone out there is interested in kind of following a tournament as it's, as it's rolling out, seeing the crews as they are posted and uh, scores and all that other stuff. Uh, go ahead and join my Discord. I'll put another link. I always put a link in the description. And uh, I'll let you know when the next tournament is. Next tournament actually is January the 11th, so I'll do it then. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so, I think that's everything for me, and I'll talk about some of the results 
after we get done with you guys. So, do, 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 do. Ben, talk about your first round. Yeah, um, and I will. I put a pretty crunchy bat rep on the uh, weird forum boards under your Huckleberry and the Guild area. So I'm kind of looking at that as we talk. So my first round was against uh, Shenlong. Stratus Corrupted Idols, Corner Deployment, Schemes were Vendetta, Power Ritual, Take Prisoner, Assassinate, and Outflank. And the board I was on had a couple of tombs and a couple of, like, lanes, a lot of fairly wide open spaces. Uh, and in retrospect, I, I maybe could have thought about bringing more guild guns to that fight. Um, but this, you know, like, since it was round one, it was the one I, like, thought the most about. I, I, like, I walked to this tournament owning three masters, which were Lady Justice, Nelly, and Cornelius, and I'd never played Cornelius. So I, I, I felt a little bit limited um, as, you know, new third edition player. And so I figured, well, I'm going to run Nelly, and I'm going to do Power Ritual and Outflank, because with the minus flips from Serene Countenance on the field reporters, uh, with Nelly having uh, Don't Mind Me, I think I can put markers down. Um, I wanted to do some cheeky things with Undercover Reporter and False Witness, since I could uh, obey the False Witness to drop a, a marker in my corner at the beginning and draw a card. So I, I kind of had my first moves mapped out. Uh, and like Shenlong, whatever, he's a karate guy, so surely he just has to walk forward slowly oh, and close bad. range me. So, so the, the strategy was Corrupted Idols, Corner Deployment. Uh, the schemes were Vendetta, Power Ritual, Take Prisoner, Assassinate, and Outflank. Yeah, and then this board had a lot of open space. So basically, like, my list was Nelly. I put a leadline cupboard on her in case I ran into somebody who could shove her around. I, you know, figured she's one corner of outflank. Um, with the leadline code and with her getting health back from interacting, I felt like she would stay up, especially if people brought steam your uh, crews to this for idols and for speed to get to those corners. Um, she comes with a printing press, which is fine, but insignificant. I brought Allison Dade, who, uh, like, is my favorite henchman. Um, <laughs> one field reporter, a mounted guard, and I'll put an asterisk by it, because it has a demise ability that demises into a guard patrol, uh, and that got relevant. Ba basically, that scored me an outflank, because Shenlong, at round two or three, just hit it instead of using the dragon anti-demise ability that Shenlong has, and so... He, he actually left a figure there for outflank that he didn't have to do uh, because he didn't know mounted guard had that replace tech. Uh, and then I brought the jury and undercover reporter and a false witness. His list was, you know, it was Shenlong, uh, two aspiring students, of course. He had two wandering river monks. He had two samurai, which each had trained ninja on them, and a low river monk. So, again, my plan was to sort of take the, the rider and Nelly go one way, take Allison and the field reporter uh, go the other way, use the undercover reporter to replace whatever minion he sent towards the, the side with my weaker figures, and try to basically, like, hold points, uh, you know, score all three points round two, uh, try to lock down the idols for the strategy with my exclusive interview auras, and then... Uh, like outlast him, um, and and being a new player, like I'm, I have not had tournament games go to round four and five often. I, I mean, it's not a slow playing uh, like attempt. It's just that I, I'm reading a lot of cards still. And just as a side comment, like I, I was thinking about this, and like in a chess game where chess masters have like two hours aside on a clock, they're they're playing like thirty or forty moves often, and like in Malifaux, you're doing thirty or forty actions per round. 
which include random number generators and attacks that aren't just instantaneous. And so, like, I, I'm amazed that people finish uh, two-hour uh, games. I'm, I'm, I'm working toward it, but, like, yeah. And that, that came up in two of my games, that they, like, tripped over in a round four in a way that I wasn't expecting. And, like, I, I basically lost both my Nelly games in round four. So I won't, like, belabor all the details, but my plan basically worked. Uh, he put both samurai where they could shoot into my deployment zone. They had the um, train ninja thing where they could deploy from the shadows. I, I think I avoided most of that trap. Like, I was sort of aware that they would just stall me up for AP if I messed with them. Uh, he got a couple shots into the jury. I decided not to bother stoning to deal damage back with the jury's defensive trigger. He, he did pull me into... In, so I, I used the mounted guard to move Nelly, and he did sort of uh, provoke me into taking a pot shot at an activated samurai because I thought it was cute to get the mounted guard's pursue bonus. And then Shenlong, you know, ran three feet across the board and smacked the guard. So I had my Shenlong experience. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. And I, people have been talking about this. I feel like podcast listeners probably know, but Shenlong, and I, like my opponent had to explain this to me two or three times, but Shenlong on one of his styles ha- has a melee action attack. And, and part of the attack is that before performing it, you move another six inches. So if you charge, you move your, your move speed of five for the charge, then you make the attack, but the first piece of the attack is moving six inches. So I, I thought he had used too many AP, and he, he finally, like, was able to explain it. To, you know, I finally got through my, like, new player skull, like, oh, that's literally how this works. So he got a round one hit into my mounted guard that, probably mattered just in terms of pacing. Like, it, I think I should have just double moved it um, after its ride with me thing. Uh, I, I really could have stayed away from Shenlong's uh, threat range round one because I was going down both sides and should have done that. And, and Nelly, I dropped off kind of messing with the Samurai 2, and that was probably a misplay, uh, but I wanted her to be able to, like, mess with uh, any idols that dropped in the middle. So yeah, the, so the game kind of went that way. He, he spent all of his first round powering up Shenlong with the little like staff hits and chi build up. Other people can talk through the details of that, but basically like Sensei Yu, uh, if a monk takes damage near him, uh, the monk gets a chi. So the, the totem monks attack, Shenlong relents, they deal min damage. Um, he gets a little bit of damage on him, but he gets plenty of chi and then somebody else heals him and off he goes. What was good for me about that was, like, he, he didn't have a lot of scheme runners moving out, and the one that he did, I was able to send home with the undercover reporter, which deploys buried, and then you can unbury it in base contact with an enemy minion and send it back to its deployment zone. Uh, so I got a little bit of a speed advantage on him. I scored 3-0 in round two, uh, power ritual on outflank. Uh, then by round three, he caught up to me and scored all three points back at me. And so it was 3-3 at the bottom of the second round. Uh, round three, he, uh, he tripped it up into five, three, uh, and, and that was like, I, I guess, I guess that was rounds two, three, and four. So, so round four, he scored two more points and won the game five, three. And basically what happened was like, my, my figures just ran out of steam. Like I, I didn't have enough defense and health and I didn't have any way to really remove his guys. So probably need to run Nelly with a little more firepower peppered into her. Yeah. I think he had, uh, the same schemes I did. Power yep. ritual and outflank, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So did everyone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, it's hard to avoid that, yeah. Um, I think this was kind of an off the cuff thing last time, but I did actually do like asking this. One, what was something you learned? And two, what would you do different? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned them both. Like, the, the thing I learned was Shenlong because I just hadn't uh, experienced, like, I just didn't have enough experience with that master. And the thing I would have done different was uh, just commit Nelly to a corner because with her health and with the mounted guard there to just, like, literally be a giant body they have to come through to get to Nelly, I really probably could have locked him out of a corner and denied uh, outflank and power ritual. Maybe not outflank, but power ritual for... Uh, at, le- at least the, the second point of it. Um, okay. So that probably that probably would have narrowed the difference and, I, you know, a little bit of a waste of AP and if he'd had to spend more time killing the Mounted Rider, maybe he doesn't score all three points in round three. All right. Cool. First time I've seen anyone take Nelly, so... She's fun. I think she's a, a pain in the neck for the opponent. So. <laughs> I mean, she was a huge pain in the neck uh, last edition as well. But we don't have very many guild players in the DeWine area, so that's also probably part of it. I think last comment about Nelly would be that I, I think I think she's a difficult tournament master in the sense that I, I think it's difficult to get a high diff with her. I think I think she's great at denial and she's great at winning by one. And this is gut stuff. Like, I've played eight skirmish games, but yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that's, I think, what I need to test with her. Okay. Well, Nate, what you got? Oh, 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 you played Kyle Bodie. Oh, here's your chance yeah. to badmouth him. <laughs> so, a, a week before the tournament, I'm sitting, I drive for work, and so I get a lot of time to kind of think to myself. I, was, I, I promised myself that I'd have to play Ophelia at least once. I don't see her around. I don't see her talked about. I know she's got potential. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to dust her off. She was the very first master I played with in M3E uh, back in, like, February, March. Basically, and I was like, you know what? And then I just put her aside, and I was like, I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna play with Ulix, and I'll play with Montauk because those are really fun. Those are really fun crews to roll with. And I just kind of put her aside, and I just there was the other day, I was like, I, I'm gonna dust her off. I'm gonna play her. And so I, I built a list in my head, and I did it for the two first two rounds, truth be told, because I, I liked it so much. But there's kind of a, I wouldn't say a Rube Golden was it a Golden Machine or whatever. Rube yeah, Goldberg. Rube Goldberg. There you go. There's definitely a process to it, and it's definitely forecasting a strategy, but the payoff is very flexible, and I think that's why it's a lot of fun. So I did end up playing Kyle, and when you said that, I was like, this, we're going to settle it here now, because he and I were, <laughs> he, we're just going to figure it out, because he was top table with me uh, in the last tournament, and he just blew me off the table. So I, this, was my, this was my redemption. This was my chance. Uh, so round one, we just figured it out right off the bat. Back, back to back. So he took Hoffman against my Ophelia, which is not the crew I wanted to hear. Basically, I don't know what they do. I just know that I just, I, there's a lot of armor and there's a lot of pushing for their setup. That's literally all I know. And I know that the Arachnid Swarms is in there somewhere, probably. And they're definitely a pain in my butt. So the, the idea was on my turn, I'm basically going to throw my master through a pig pole and <laughs> going to lean into the crew. Alpha Strike, basically. But against so many armored models, it wasn't going to pay off. It wasn't going to work. And he didn't bring very many models with low health counts. So there were eight life, and they have armor, too. What I ended up taking for my schemes in this one, because it was corrupted idols and it was corners, I took, I didn't do the cheesy thing, which was power <laughs> ritual and outflank. That's what you should do. I just, I've, I've, I do a lot of teaching games with a lot of new players. I've taught probably about 20 players how to play Malifaux. And when I, I don't want to take the stuff that's just right there. I always promise myself, you know what, I'll just do it. I'll do that in a tournament if it ever turns up. Well, I, I didn't. 
for some reason, I thought take prisoner would be easy. easy. I thought he'd have slow models and I'd be able to isolate them. So I took I took outflank and I took take prisoner on. Uh, for some reason, his warden. I just kind of picked a model. I was like, that looks like a good target. I won't kill that. Bad idea because that's a little. It's a babysitter model. It runs around with somebody pretty much all game because it's got. I think it's got take the hit. So it pretty much jumps in the way for something else. I, I could be wrong about that, but that's kind of what I understood with that model. So the table, there was a, I got stuck with a giant house in my face. <laughs> oh, it's fine. I, I have a pig of bolt. I'm going to shoot over this thing. That's fine. This is going to be covered for me. So my whole crew is tucked back behind this thing. Uh, off to my right, there was kind of a long house that pretty much covered most of the center of that order. Uh, his side of the table had a river, which... I was hoping would be obstructing. Didn't turn out to be that big of a deal. And there's a little bridge over the middle of that that would lead to the middle of the table. And then off to my right, there was a, off to my left, there was a stage kind of on a high rise. And in the, in the corrupted idol marker was in there. Um, what happened was basically with this crew, I kind of stall out the actions, my, my big money makers. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll do the crew real quick on both sides. Uh, with, with okay. on my side, I brought, I brought Ophelia. I brought the three young LaCroix that come with her for green. I took Francois Pigapult, and that gives me a free stuffed piglet. I threw Sparks in there. I threw Bert Jebson, Rami LaCroix, and I brought an Akanami just for fun. Uh, he had Charles Hoffman, a medical attendant, must be his totem, a warden, a mechanical rider, a Sandra, a steam erected swarm with magical training. It's just, that's just Kyle. It's just everybody. It's everybody. <laughs> Uh, and then a peacekeep, which so looking across the table as a paper thin bayou player, I'm like, ah, not not liking this. I'm not going to alpha strike anything, and that was totally the expectation. So, like I said, I was, on my turns, I was kind of stalling. I I basically young Lacroix go. They they give her mom, they give Ophelia uh, an upgrade, and then they just walk ahead. And I was walking towards the stage, and I think that kind of indicated to him that I was heading that way because his whole crew early on was pushing that direction. All his armor, all his all the armor two models just moved left towards the stage. It's like <laughs> so all of his stuff is just gonna be because uh, with corrupted idols, you, with his crew you probably could take over a third of the table and just own it. And I knew I would never get any of those markers. And I think one of the things I was a little short sighted on was I brought so many damn models <laughs> that I was giving him I was giving him past tokens galore. I was never ever going to be able to do Corrupted Idols. I was never going to have the choice on that. But I was very fortunate that the very first marker that landed in the game was on my far right where nobody was going, apparently. <laughs> so it was just going to be over there. It was a race for that one. His whole crew went left, but Cassandra all by herself went right. So she was just going to do it all by herself. So uh, I right off the bat, I'm thinking, okay, he's splitting up. He's going harder. He laid a uh, arachnid swarms laid a power ritual token in the back corner. Basically, what I did on my turn was three young LaCroix in turn. I did Sparks, gave Ophelia and Francois uh, bombs in their belly. I'm alpha striking with both of those, so I'm going to send them in. I'm going to do damage back uh, as they damage. Bert Jebson was mainly going to be a scheme runner, that one. I just I took him for the reckless, having the three AP. Run up mm-hmm. to a marker and pick it. That's the idea. And the Akanami is actually set up Sparks. Akanami allows you to regurgitate a ski marker, scrap marker, or corpse marker. And Sparks, free action, he can remove his scrap marker within, I think it's three inches, to give 
somebody within that three or something, within six maybe. Shielded two and fast. I gave that to Ophelia. So I had a fast master, but I know, I realize that they can't take more than three actions. She's going to get slow when she lands with the pig pole. So they wash. So she will have all three AP once I get to place her. So basically, once his crew was all deployed, and Lefty did a lot of pushing tricks, he did a mechanical rider, moved somewhat along. He was pretty much on that center line over in the corner. So then last two activations of the turn, I believe, uh, I saw his Cassandra all by herself. She was she had, didn't have any terrain in her way, so I took Ophelia. I shot her 18 inches. Uh, the Pigapult is an 18-inch place. All I need is a 6 to do it, and landed I think it was 10 inches from Cassandra, so I was able to, I was in range to take, start leaning into her. And then I did the same thing with uh, Francois. He followed right side by side with Ophelia. My misplays here was that when Sparks gives fast to Ophelia, she takes two damage. I think it's I think it's a burnout, burnout trigger to, you know, take two damage and gain fast. Yeah, burnout. My problem. Yeah, I should have, I missed the shielded. I think shielded protects that. And then another thing was when Francois lands lands, it's a move 15 dual talk. It's a pulse within two. It's a shockwave. Shockwave two, move 15, two damage. He hurt Ophelia when he landed. And that should have, <laughs> and that should have been a... It's just Bayou shenanigans. That's, <laughs> that's, that's about as bad of a Bayou thing as you can do. Yeah, just, they're knuckleheads. And so I hurt... I accidentally hurt Ophelia. So she had four damage on her, but really she should have just had two. Because I think shielded blocks. Should have blocked each of those. Uh, either way, I had... Ophelia had three actions. She just, I think I did two attacks on her, on Cassandra, and I chipped away a little bit. I think I did at most three damage. The thing about this was he still had a fresh hand. He wasn't doing anything on his side of the board that really took eight cards out of his hand. So he probably, he had, he had some high cards, and so he was able to defend her pretty well. So between the three actions that Ophelia gets, the one action that Francois gets because he's slow, uh, and then Ophelia does this thing where at the end of her activation, if she as a kin within six, I can discard a card to take an action with that with Francois. So it was five act- actions that leaned into Cassandra. Nothing really stuck. And I think actually what I did is on Ophelia's turn, I didn't actually shoot a third time. I actually walked up because the longhouse, I knew that he was going to win initiative and he was going to tuck behind that longhouse. So I, I guess I just walked up trying to do what I was going to do next turn anyway. So that way I could have charged her to stop her. Basically, I was making him make sure it was Cassandra that he would go with first. Uh, and a lot of the game was on that, so I'm, I was pretty sure he, he was doing Corrupted Idols, uh, no, uh, the Power Ritual and Outflank based on that. And I knew that if I could get Cassandra, like, the whole game was, all his schemes were tied up in one model. And so I was, I, I just got to lean all of them into it. On top of that, I had Bert Jepsen run along the edge, three actions, just walk right to it, went, went, actually just went right towards that Corrupted Idols marker. And I think he was two actions and uh, reckless away from kicking it. Or I would shoot. I would shoot Cassandra if she got to it. Uh, got to it first. So top and turn do exactly what I expected. So he went with Cassandra, and I think he just ran around the longhouse. He kind of tucked in a way where no matter what model I was going to go at her with, he had cover. He had, it was going to be a negative twist of some sort. And so all my all my models kind of crowded in around her. And I remember on that turn that I I took Bert Jepsen. I was like, he can either lean into her and get some damage and get her off the table. Or he could just walk up and kick that marker. I was like, I, I got to get all the corrupted idol points I can get early, as early as I can. So I, I chose to kick the idol while Francois and Ophelia pretty much ran up and charged, charged Cassandra. 
And I remember he had five soul soul stones at the top of the game, and I had five. I had five as well. And he, she's got this thing where she turns on serene countenance as a free action, pain in the butt. What would happen is, in order for me to even be able to cheat these flips, I had a decent hand, so I would be stoning for just positive twists oh, to counteract um, the to counteract the serene countenance. It's not serene countenance. I think it's just uh, melee it's just attacks. It might be no, called finesse. Is that what it is? I, 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 think, I thought he said it was Serene Countenance. So I was like, oh, okay. I said it's like Serene Countenance. Right? Oh, well, let me check real quick. Yeah. Either way, the way that I understood it was I got negative twists on all my attacks. I could be mistaken, but uh, either way, I was, stone, I was stoning for positive twists. Again, my justification here was like, I could cancel all his schemes if I get this right, if he's not bluffing. And so then he would, I would get damage through, and then he would stone the damage. And I think at the end of it all, he and I had zero stones. She had one life, and literally every single piece of damage I did was blocked by exactly the amount he needed with soul stones. And actually, <laughs> so it worked out. She was unsurvived at turn three, and I th- think that might have been outflanked for him. I'm not sure if that's how he scored it. Either way, because I'm bearing all these models down on it, he brought his uh, his arachnid swarms over the river, which was unexpected to me because they're <laughs> unimpeded. And I just, it didn't look like it to me, but they're a lot faster than they, they are. And those models would uh, slowly chip away at Ophelia, and they would eventually get her on the top of turn three. On the left side, where all his t- armor was, I kind of just I, I kind of just threw all the kids at them. Yeah, my idea was <laughs> I got I, I got to get rid of these kids because uh, <laughs> these, giving him this many pass tokens is not a good thing. So please eat the kids. Eat your you know, teeth, the children, eat, please. Eat, eat the children, please. But uh, peacekeeper and uh, was the neck rider. So he had a he controlled the the idols on turn two to land. I think it was on the stage, which is the 12 inches in from my left. Uh, so he had a warden up there, I believe. He had the, the mechanical rider. And he kicked it. And I remember on my turn, I basically, well, I've got pretty much half my crew is sitting back in my deployment zone. All of it can be shot through a pickup hole. So I gave him an Akaname right on that. Lands with a move 15 duels, so a little bit of a chip. And the best thing about the Akaname is it's got a two inch engagement range. So I'm reaching over this idle marker, so he can't touch it anymore, or maybe he can't interact with it, but I got to it first. You got to deal with the Akanami first. I, I love that little model. And, uh, and then I shot sparks over the head of the peacekeeper, who was kind of charging past the stage towards the rest of my crew, kind of threatening almost lead, leaning into my, my deployment zone, because uh, he kept giving this, this big old model fast. So I had, to, I had Burt Jebson up on the right, and then I shot Sparks over the head of the Peacekeeper to land, basically, in slow. So one at one move action, and he's in he's in outflank. Uh, so I was able to score outflank, plus Burt kicked the idol. So it, things, even though Cassandra survived, it was a 2-1, two, 2-1 two at the end of turn 2. Nice. My outflank, my idols, his idols. Turn 3, that's where I got Cassandra. That's where I got arachnid swarm because i think he started the turn again because i gave him so many damn pass tokens uh, he kills ophelia he kills ophelia before i even get to go with her and then francois kills both cassandra and the arachnid swarms so those swarms were a big problem for me in our last game with him but the bombs in her belly was the money makers i just chip away little at little little by little i think they only have eight life uh, and he had no soul stones thanks to me leaning so heavy into cassandra that on activation, he charged. Uh, he charged Cassandra. I got attacked through, or I missed, or whatever. Flurry got her. 
and I turn and I shoot the directors from dead. So I've, I'm look, I've got Bert and uh, Francois off on the corner, nothing to fight. There's nothing in this quarter. So I was like, we gotta, we gotta leave them. So I, Bert Jepson starts running basically to that marker 12 inches in just in case it lands there and maybe to cover the middle if it lands there. Cause I know that it was going to be very tough to get any more idols, but I have to have models ready no matter what. Off to the left, the peacekeeper was whittled away by the kids. So the kids ate the peacekeeper, <laughs> which was not expected. I was like, just little by little, all these little planks of damage got through. Armor two every single time. I'm just like, he's got, he had no hands at the end of these turns. He, he flipped um, your initiative token strategy on you. He just wanted more pass tokens. <laughs> <laughs> you that, that greedy, greedy Kyle. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, between the, the three kids, one of which got killed, and then Rami LaCroix, who had a armor-piercing gun attack. I was going to keep him back to snipe. Where we're at is peacekeepers surrounded by the kids. And more than anything, I'm using them to just block charge lanes so he can't get on Rami. Because, honestly, off to my left, there's very little that can score. There's a lot of insignificant, and that was getting in my way a bit. Rami, I was expecting to run up and take prisoner, but he never, ever got someone off the, the, the warden. There was always something side by side with it. And I know that, that was the turn that Akanami got killed by something. I think it was the mechanical rider. Uh, so I just turn and I shoot the, I shoot the peacekeeper with Rami, and I believe that's what took him down. He's got an armor piercing, and I had a 13 of tomes in my hand. I was like, well, that's, that's the play. You know, I think it's one, three, four damage, and he had three life left, so it was exactly what I needed. And I think the Red Joker even showed up uh, to help out on that. Or the Black Joker. The Black Joker got him three times this game, which was really helpful for me. And then on the far left, I had Sparks sitting in the corner, and it was Hoffman v. Sparks. And I think that between us, there was two idle markers. One was sitting on my side, and I literally couldn't interact with them because uh, he was tied up by, by Hoffman, and I think that was the some other model that was supporting him, at least a medical attendant, perhaps. So, yeah, there's just engagement all over the place, so I couldn't interact with anything. But there came a point where I was just like, well, Sparks is basically, I can't do anything with him, so I'll just swing. I don't really have any cards in my hand. Neither did he. He had two. So first attack, I just gave him a wrench, and he was like, well, he was, I think Assassinate was in the pool. Neither of us really expected that. But he cheated, and it, I looked down to do my second attack, and I was like, oh, it's Scamper. Scampers, uh, whenever you, whenever a model cheats within six, I get to push two. So I was able to unengage right into base contact with an idol and kick it kind of, kind of under his feet, uh, to his side of the board. And he was like, that's, that may have just won you the game right there. Cause that's, he, that was a two point swing. This now all of a sudden, all of a sudden he wasn't going to score idols. And I was, uh, and I think that's pretty much the, the best summary to that turn. So in the end, that turn, I think it was three, three. Yeah, he caught up on idols a little bit, and then he scored. I forget what his other strategy was or his other scheme. Um, he took power flank, uh, power ritual, and outflank. He didn't get outflank. Power ritual came up at the end of the turn. He got three turns of uh, idols, so he was up on me on idols. And that was expected. Uh, turn four, things just kind of fell apart for me on the left, which was expected against so much armor, and I was just throwing kids out there. I was playing around, but my sneaky little play was like, okay, so Sparks died. Got him up outflank, and that was like, okay, so I can't score my second outflank. But maybe, because at all the game, I was shooting the pigapult and then moving one action. And so the idea was to get the pigapult just barely close enough to get Rami connected, who was sniping, and then launch him over to the, uh, the outflank. 
and that I think that was the play, but I think he got to Rami first with the mech rider. There came a point after I killed the peacekeeper. I was like, "What? What can I kill now? Come on, kids! Me and me and Rami." I look over the mech rider. He's just got a pile of stuff on him. I'm like, "What is all that?" He's like, "Oh, this is like damage prevention." He's like, "Not even gonna start with that. I'm not even gonna bother." He's got like 15 tokens. He's sitting on. No, thank you. These kids are tired. Uh, <laughs> just we're out of stones for our slingshots. Like I don't know. So I don't even bother with that. And so the whole play was like, I just got to get that warden. Like I can't do anything with the idols. It's too late. And then that's when I realized that Remy doesn't have an engagement range. And that actually came up to be kind of the deal breaker for me. And I, it was something I didn't really realize is that I was holding back a mod. I've got a bunch of in, insignificant. And then a model that doesn't have an engagement range. So I can't actually walk up to the model and engage it for the end of game take prisoner. Not going to score me a point. So he ended up getting to Remy before I could uh, do anything. And... There was one play at the end that he could have made where he said, if, if I reactivate the warden, I can run over to do a flank. I was like, I kind of hope you do, because that would be take prisoner for me, because I had heard Jensen <laughs> sitting right where a flank would be, but he, he didn't do it. Even if he went all the way, was three inches short, and he was like, that's as far as I could get, that's it. I could go, that's take prisoner, thank you very much. But he didn't do that. He just stopped in the middle of the board. He had a buddy right by his side anyway. 4-3 victory for him. Wins again. Seems like it was really close, though. Uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, he even said that. He was like, I think there was, a, like I said, it was turn two. He was like, I think he just won the game based on that move. And I was like, eh. the thing about the Bayou's are they tend to be pretty favored, man. They fall off late game just because they die. They score points fast. I can get points on the board fast, but we play five turns. I, I tend to be losing models, a lot of models by then. So it, I feel like that was a common theme with my game. Got points fast, but the staying power wasn't there. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's just Bayou. That's just Bayou. I mean, there's a way to do go around that just to bring the quality, but that's just not my play style. <laughs> I like to put up points fast, especially in tournaments. If, if there's ever a risk of only doing three rounds, bring a crew that can score four points fast. Yeah. And also, you got a great story out of it. You managed to bring down a peacekeeper with a bunch of children. Yeah, that was actually very unexpected because I, I honestly didn't care about what was going on to the left. I was having so much fun trying to deal with Cassandra. That's where the else was right. That was the crew I built. That's all this planning was just like into that. Just I mean, third third edition is young, right? I mean, we may have just covered the hidden weakness of peacekeepers. Mm-hmm. So I guess <laughs> bring the kids. Swarms the, of children. Uh, just swarms of children. The uh, uh, the thing I learned, I would guess, would be. So Ophelia. I mean, there's plenty of models. There's plenty of masters that are size one that can be shot through a pig of pole. Uh, Ophelia brings four kids, three kids automatically. Not exactly an idol's choice. Maybe what's the other? One? Maybe Wong. Maybe Wong would have been a little bit better. I don't think he's got the the kill power that the precision kill power that Ophelia's got. Uh, that may have been a better choice. I did have him with. I had three masters. I only ever bring three crews to a turn. This was Ophelia, Wong, and Zip. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess that was the thing. Keep an eye on past tokens. Okay, well, I didn't even get to say my few lines I get to say, so thank you for ruining that for me. All right, so at turn one ends, we go to an hour-long time for lunch. Is an hour long enough for you guys? Yeah, it's it's honestly almost too much for me, but I know that everyone breaks. I actually sit around and talk most of the time. Okay. Well, I actually like the the visitation time. Because after the tournament... Kind of want to get on the road, so. Well, I didn't have time to visit because I was busy putting in everyone's uh, stat sheets and 
judging painting and that's actually it's really a good amount of time for me but i use almost all of it up just organizing the tournament so every tournament got the painting contest we only do single models and i'll have some kind of theme i try to keep it vague so everyone gets to interpret it their own way but uh this time theme was killer and i had a lot of good entries for this one this is possibly one of the best painting contests i did but anyways, um, no one really wants to talk about painted models when you can't see them on a podcast. So let's go on to round two. Now, I get to say what happens in round two this time around, not you guys. Round two, flank deployment. It is reckoning for the strategy. It has hold up their forces, dig their graves, power ritual, breakthrough, and detonate the charges. Okay, uh, we'll just go right back to Ben. Ben, talk about your round two. Yeah, so I got paired up against Antonio Martinez, who's the henchman in Omaha. So he's the guy that kind of taught me the game, and we didn't travel together, but uh, he was the guy that was, like, from my local meta. And so, you know, unfortunately we got paired, but that happens. Yeah, uh, the other unfortunate thing is, so Antonio knows that I have Lady Justice and that I have Nelly, and he knows that it's Reckoning, so he knows I'm taking Lady Justice. Unfortunately, he was kind of trying out some new outcast crews. So I think he, like, in order to travel light, the only two crews he brought were Jack Daw and Tara from Outcast. Now, I don't have a lot of models, but I have most of the Marshall's models. So I have the jury. So, like, I mean, he's sort of doing the Princess Bride thing. So I clearly cannot choose the crew in front of me. And I clearly cannot choose the other crew in front of me. Uh, because if he chooses Terra, the jury is going to activate, deal two points of damage to every buried model, an additional point of damage to any of them that are summoned, plus a, a damage to any unburied summoned models, you know, just for activating. Plus, I can throw in a Death Marshal recruiter or two and just directly attack buried models. And ordinarily, Terra wins that matchup because she buries stuff, and then, you know, her, her stuff can fight buried, but, you know, the other player can't. The, the Marshal's crew, like, reverses that. So he's not bringing Terra, but he's bringing Jack Daw, which is a bunch of undead stuff. So all the martial like little bonuses go off. So I hummed and hawed a little bit. Uh, you know, he he declared Jack Daw. I I certainly declared Lady Justice, and I I thought about whether to take the Judge or not, since you know if you bring a henchman into Reckoning, it's a potential two point model later in the, the rounds. But I thought. You know, most of Jack Daw's stuff is melee and short range. I'm going to just outrange him, and if he gets to the judge, he gets to the judge. So I brought Lady Justice. Um, she brings the scales of Justice Totem, Guild Steward, the judge, the jury, the lone marshal, and two exorcists. And I took Power Ritual I was pretty clear on because I, I knew that my totem could hang back. Being significant, it can drop the like point in your own zone for the later, you know, the second point. Uh, which is a great use for a pretty worthless totem otherwise. I mean, it, it activates it as a free action to, like, shore up your hand by a card if the other player has more cards. Honestly, a lot of times it, it's better just as a stall activation. Uh, but I, I was pretty sure, you know, Lady Justice or the Lone Marshal have enough speed to break away and score a power ritual point. And, uh, yeah, basically that's what happened in the game. The, the other thing to say about this is... The board we were on basically kind of had an open central courtyard and then kind of a bunch of terrain around the outer edges. But with flank deployment, he, he wound up setting up on a side. So, um, like, th there's a little bit of an irony where I'd, like, put stuff down, like, you know, sort of standing at a side of the table, wandered away. I came back, he happened to be standing at that side of the table, and I was just like, oh, well, I'll go around. 
And so because I walked around the table, like the two zones he had wound up like, like there was one that his guys could kind of flow out of more easily. But by choosing that zone, he gave me a zone that had an elevated platform, like basically at the line of the flank deployment. So he's he's got like shambling melee guys who have to walk across an open courtyard, and I've got like exorcists and the judge who can just stand on elevated terrain that he can only approach by one ram. Um, and and that was just I mean it was the fish in a barrel game. Yeah, I mean I, I kind of put the judge and the lone marshal out in the other direction. The lone marshal sort of just you know shot out. And, uh, he, he has running gun, so he moves seven, takes a shot, and then moves seven towards the corner where he was able to score power ritual around two. The exorcist, you know, guild steward beats people up. The jury uh, tried to do some obeys on exorcists. I think I was able to shift one into a position. I failed the other one and decided I didn't want to burn anything in my hand to... Sidebar, quick sidebar on the jury. I think it's a really interesting model because it has a suited obey uh, that can be friendly or enemy and it's only one point different on its target number from from Zoraida's. Like, Zoraida has a stat 7 obey, and the jury has a stat 6 obey. The jury doesn't have the, like, extra... You know, the jury does not have three actions. The jury does not have the the trigger to make the target do two actions with a mask. But, I mean, in in an era where we're wondering whether dual masters will get nerfed, because having an obey master in as a secondary is pretty powerful, like, maybe this is a way for Guild to punch back a little bit and and use some of those Zoraida tricks of mispositioning people. Anyway, that's my sidebar. But yeah, so so my, my whole rounds were just, you know, the jury and the steward positioning people, the totem dropping a marker and shuffling forward, you know, kind of waiting for Lady Justice. And I, I think I took a lot of long-range pot shots on Montressor and his Jackdaw crew. He had Jackdaw, Montressor, Three Guilty, a Drowned, Convict Outlaw that had some trick to make his own mat- models fast. I, I missed the trick, but maybe an outcast player can uh, let everyone in on it. Uh, but because Montressor size three, like I was always able to see him, so I was able to sort of take pot shots while staying pretty safe. And you know, sure enough, by round two, I, I had my choice of targets. Lady Justice was able to leap off the platform, sw- drop a marker because she, with a two-inch engagement, can stay unengaged. Um, so she drops the marker to to start off, dig their graves. She has to be careful because when Lady Justice or the Judge kill people, uh, the the models they kill do not drop markers. So I, I think you can score the first point of Dig Their Graves, but you aren't leaving a corpse there for later, if I've got that all straight. So she swung her greatsword, like clipped somebody for most of its damage, then moved away towards round three power ritual. And, and the game just went that way. I, I got a reckoning point, uh, did a ton of damage to Montressor. He realized pretty early that it was that, that he was kind of playing for diff, and so he, he dogpiled, uh, starting mid-round two, he just, every attack he could bring to bear, he just sent up the judge who was not on the platform. And, and mid-round three, he was able to finally drop her. She almost got loose and got away and back to where the guild steward could, uh, heal her. <laughs> but, uh, Montressor was able to, like, use his sort of rope-a-dope pull and drag thing and, like, drag her back into the room. Anyway, like, the, the judge was the model that he ultimately killed for his opening point. Sure enough, I had the Lone Marshal and Lady Justice score the second points of power ritual. Uh, and then we, we ran out of time mid-round three before I could finish up Dig Their Graves, which I actually might have had to do with my own models just because of where the exorcists were positioned. But I, I think with relented attacks, I literally had enough actions up on that platform to like drop markers, kill the guild steward, have a retaliation, and have enough corpses 
yeah, just ran out of time. So 5-1 game, yeah, I, I think he just got kind of brutally knocked down by the terrain layout. Did you go over your uh, things you learned, thing you do different? You know, I, I think uh, because there was stuff favoring me pretty strongly, I, I don't know the game where I did learn things or would do things differently. I, I Like, the judge could have hung a little farther back and just taken pot shots instead of getting a little farther forward and uh, doing an aggressive couple actions in round one. So uh, patience maybe would have broadened the diff even further. But yeah, that's all I got. All right. Sounds like that was a pretty fortuitous second round for you, Ben. What about you, Nate? Did you also find success? I did find success. So if the last game was things not going according to plan based on what my opponent took for a crew, I, uh, this one went a lot better for me. So what I chose, I, because I was one point behind, my dip was down by one because I lost uh, Kyle. I was thinking, I need a big win. So I'm going to go, I'm going to swing for the fences. So originally I was going to bring a Wong crew and I was going to just do a lot of pulsing, more of a denial strategy, I guess you could say, kind of play back across my side of the center line and just meet them as he'd come across. But when he declared Nakima, I was like, I think I don't, I want to, <laughs> Get away from the black blood. So there's a lot of the whiz bang models that comes out of a wall that ignore that. Or I could just take models that shoot. You know, that's the, that's the other idea. So I was like, you know, I'm going to stick with this, uh, with the, the same exact crew that I had brought against Kyle. So it, I think the only audible is I, I split the difference on the Wong decision was instead of bringing Rami, I, I brought, uh, Sammy LaCroix. So my list. Uh, I had Ophelia, three young LaCroix, Sammy LaCroix, uh, the Akaname I brought again, uh, Bert Jebson, Sparks LeBlanc, and then Francois, and the Pigapult as well. For some reason, that's not on the list. Uh, and then my opponent, Nikima, Bloodhunter, Angel Eyes, Black Blood Shaman, Hay Redden, Lilu Lelitu, both of them had Ancient Pack, and then Reasts. So our table was, I think, what you'd call the lava board. And so it's very craggy. It's got all these walls that are kind of jutting out from the map that kind of provide cover. There's a lot of open spaces between them. So there's a lot of shooting lanes, but there's a lot of angles, too, for cover and blocking. And again, the Pigapult ignores pretty much all that because I place within 18 inches. And so he deployed his flank. He pretty much deployed four of his models off to the left on the left flank. Uh, and then back in the middle was Nakima, as if she was going to go either way. And then off to his right, uh, my right, he had uh, Angel Eyes and Maurice. So on the left was Hayred and Bloodhunter and then Lilu Lelitu. And then I had this big piece of terrain, this kind of this it's like lava pool that was about, about height two to climb up, but I believe that all my models were hiding behind. And I clumped up. Everything was just around because pretty much the setup is all within three inches. And pretty much the same setup. The three LaCroix uh, give out upgrades and walk. So I was kind of heading them out towards uh, the, so the power ritual was in the pool again. Uh, I ended up taking power ritual breakthrough and uh, so did he. Power ritual and breakthrough. <laughs> so my young LaCroix were moving off to the left. Akaname regurgitates and focuses. Pig, the stuffed piglet basically just focuses and passes. All of these actions are to just stall. I want to see where he goes. But at the same time, he did deploy his crew. Four of his models were just all clumped up side by side. At least in Hey Redden got out of that pack, or I decided to launch the launch uh, Ophelia. And so when I 
the thing about between the last game and this game was corners uh, flank allows me a lot more. Uh, I get to fly further up the board because uh, corners is so so far back there. Basically, being I think it's about eight more inches, maybe ten more inches closer to my point opponent, I can actually just launch a feeler right into his crew <laughs> right off the bat, and so she lands aura. There's a fifteen inch no, it's a move fifteen duel. Two inches for two damage. That landing almost took care of the Blood Hunter. <laughs> and she, I did it in such a way where I'm two inches, I'm outside of everyone's engagement range. I land, so everyone has to pass the duel. And then I can start shooting. The other one was usually Francois would go with the side by side with her, but I felt that maybe Ophelia could just take them by herself. And so I actually shot Francois against uh, Angel Eye. It was a Black Blood Scion. And Maurice, uh, it was Black Blood Scion and Angel Eyes that had moved to the middle of the table, and they were up against terrain. So I just landed, basically I pinned them both in with Francois. He's he's kind of a he's as good as melee. He's actually better at melee because he gets the he gets the flurry. Ooh. So I was like, well, that's I mean that's a third that's a free AP if I'm doing melee stuff. So I'm going to land. I'm going to do my everyone has to pass a move fifteen or two damage, uh, and then I'm going to lean into Angel Eyes. So that's that was the plan there. And I pretty much got to do that on Ophelia's turn. Again, she was fast. No, she wasn't fast, but she wasn't slow. That was the big thing. She had three upgrades on her at that point. And I took one of the upgrades as a blast. I think it's the Hooch Igniter. There's one that does, I think, three, four, five, or two, three, four, and they do blasting. And basically, Lilo, Lilo and Lilo two were side by side, just little buddies. And I basically hit one, and I blasted onto the other. I hit the other one, blasted back. And then I finished one of them off, and the other survived with like one health. Nice. And they, and so they just, they didn't even get to activate. And they both had ancient pacts. I think his, he didn't have a hand for some reason. I forget why. I think he, uh, Angel Eyes was uh, taking shots at Bert Jepson, who was kind of hanging his neck out there. And though I did take damage, I got rid of some face cards out of his hand. And so basically, all these attacks, oh, and, and I guess between all the landings, that uh, Ophelia and uh, Francois did, he must have had no resources. So basically, uh, yeah. I had a fantastic hit. This was the game that I didn't see a single one through five in any of my hands in any of the turns. It was just, it was the heart of the cards. It was just <laughs> completely my favor as far as that goes. Like every single card I could cheat would be effective, especially on the first turn where I hopefully, thanks to all those pulses, drained his hand uh, if he really cared about uh, keeping two damage off of uh, a model. So basically, Blood Hunter and both the Lilu Lelu tube were dead by the end of Ophelia's turn. And so basically, in front of Ophelia was nothing. His whole flank deployment was mine, and I had breakthrough. And so I, this was obvious where I was going to go with this. She's just going to start laying schemes markers. It worked towards that far back corner where I can lay another marker for a power ritual, and it could be flexible between the two. That was the plan there. And he decided to take uh, Nikima and, for some reason, run her straight off to the left for the power ritual. Like, of all the things, the, the, the beater that could definitely ruin my day was scheme running. And I, th I think that was a mistake. If he was able to take Nikima into Ophelia earlier, this would have worked out pretty well for him. So basically, she went straight out to the corner on turn two, laid a marker, and came on back. All just for one, I think, uh, I think small terror tot could have been hired for that for that job because basically took three turns out of Nakima. 
off on the corner, I was kind of back deciding, trying to decide what I would do with Sammy. Sammy has the ability to turn us enemy ski marker into a pig. One more thing to launch through pig pole, basically. <laughs> and so I took her for the breakthrough. If he decided to break through, I would be able to turn these into pigs. Now, that was kind of the idea there. Also, if I remember how you built this, this was a reckoning game with a lot of scheming. I, I actually didn't build it. Uh, each round was given to a local to build. I just sort of asked. Build. Yeah, they did a pretty good job. It was actually fine because I, I like to see not deliver. I, I like to see not assassinate and not bend down. I, could, <laughs> I like variety. I don't like like the whole oh, it's like power ritual thing. Prefer yeah, things. I, I think they were around. good. I think they were all good pools too. I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, the, yeah the I had a lot of fun. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, so I decided to take a. Uh, Sammy off to the corner to deny uh, Hey Redden was over there. He laid out a power ritual marker. And I was going to go deny that. Or I, I think it was like, yeah, I, I flipped it into a pig and then he was like, well, I'm done with that. I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> so he kind of ran off and he started working on the kids that were kind of sitting in the middle of the table. Uh, and he ended up actually turning those one of those into a super easy kill uh, into a terror tot. Which killed the other kid. <laughs> no! <laughs> it grew into a, a, a mature Nephilim eventually, or a black blood cyan or something. It's like, good God, this is getting out of control back here a little bit. Ophelia, help! And she's busy breaking break through. Uh, Nakima showed back up from the corner of the table by, I think it was turn three, four, charged into Ophelia, who I got to learn how tanky she could be. Because the thing is, uh, her upgrades say, uh, after I use after I use the upgrade, I can choose to discard it to deal with damage to a model within six. I thought that would be fantastic. Yeah. If I fall short, then I'll just discard it, kill you. Easy for that. Yeah, I know it would proc Black Blood again, which is probably a problem. She's at range, so I figured this would be okay. But I kept them. I, 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 the other part is I can reduce, I can discard them for damage reduction, which is giant. That's just super helpful. Yeah. So basically, I've got a 17 will, i got a 17. Master, and I've still got soul stones at my disposal. So he charges back with Nakima on Ophelia, who was, I think, trying to do the power ritual way back there uh, in his deployment zone. And not the first turn that he got on her, but pretty much the second, because Ophelia disengaged, I think ran away and laid a ski marker. And instead of picking up my ski markers, he just charged Ophelia with Nakima. And he got her. It took probably six or seven attacks between Nakima and there was one more mob that was, I think it was Maurice. Maurice came back and he had a gunshot on her. Uh, in between them, they got her. But there was, a, there was one thing about that that I, I'd have to check the measurement again, but in the moment, Ophelia had bombs in her belly again. So every single attack would be doing blast damage back on top of Nikima. But I think the range was just as such where Nikima's two-inch engagement range. We, we just did the rules as intended. You know, we, we're exactly two inches. Yeah, I've tried to put a blast marker in between them, and it wouldn't touch. So I probably would have got to kill Nakima based on how many attacks she did. I use her damage track, which is really nice with that upgrade. Her damage track is probably the best damage track to do that with. But fortunately for her, yeah. you can rule it where it's just outside of that range. Yep, 50, so, uh, 50 millimeters is just slightly smaller than 2 inches. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like 5.1 inches. So it's like... Uh, so it wasn't hitting her back, and I couldn't hit anything around. It was just mono e mono Ophelia versus Nakima. Nakima would win because Ophelia was scheming the whole time. So I basically get away somehow and 
yeah, in the end, uh, 6-3, my advantage there. Nice. He actually he scored more, more points than I expected. Like I said, I was swinging for the fences. I had an eye on denial as much as I had on scoring, and he walked away with more points than I was hoping. Because Nikima walked over and got her one point from Power Ritual, so I guess that counted, because I didn't even bother with that side. And then he came back and uh, killed Ophelia. He must kill something else because it was probably two reckoning points. Yep, and it was whatever Hay Red, whatever Hay Red and Hit killed. I think scored the point. So uh, in end six three, uh, I did end up winning on that one. So good, good job. Fun. For anyone that's confused, it's he's referring to the Black Blood, Black Blood Shaman. Um, yeah, what was I? What was I saying? Scion, which is Maurice's old name, I believe. <laughs> oh, whoops. Yeah, clearly I don't play that faction. I do, but I play Cody and I play Zareda in that in that way. Ew. I don't, I don't touch that model. Yeah. Okay. If, well, it, if, it, if it counts for anything, I don't deploy her, like, ever. Basically, just a haver. Okay. Just 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 a haver. Just, just a haver. Yeah, it's just like, hmm. well, truth be told, she's probably my favorite, this bluff-wise, Malibu character. Which is odd, because she was the last Bayou model or crew that I picked up. I thought I, I thought you'd think I'd be more excited for her, but I, apparently. Okay, well, that was round two. Two wins for both of you. Lost I mean, sorry, oh, so two wins yeah, total. Yeah, we're both, yeah, we're my, both one and one. So my, my uh, bad. Powers combined, I think we've won the tournament actually. <laughs> hey, there you go. Well, we get into round three, and lo and behold, you two are paired against each other. So this one. Um, I guess you guys decide how you want to discuss it. You can go through each round and uh, talk about what you did and what you were thinking. I'll let, I'll let Ben take the lead here because he's got the better oh. Wait, battle Nate, report. Nate, yeah. Nate, forgot what? to ask. What did you learn? And what would you oh, have done God. differently? Oh, I almost missed it. Oh, um, man, it's, like I said, all in all, that was a pretty good game for me. I would have, like I said, I, I, I wanted to get the biggest dip I could. And I was expecting a, probably by the middle of the game, I was like, this is probably going to be a 6 2 win. Finding a way to have, have saved Ophelia, maybe getting her out of that jam altogether would have been good, but I, I think her staying gave me a point as well. Because uh, if Ophelia left, then she was going to, Nakima could have just started picking up all these breakthrough markers. So, it's, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It's, I think I did just find that game. No mistakes. Zero mistakes made, which is really weird, because it's for the Bayou. Like, Francois, I didn't hold Herophilia, nothing happened. It was just perfect. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, let's start with Ben, then. Talk about your uh, third round. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Shut up. No, no, no. no. <laughs> round three. Wedge deployment. Plant explosives of the strategy. Schemes are claim jump, hold up their forces, take prisoner, detonate the charges, deliver a message. Now you may go. I was going to say, without you saying that, I'm like, what are you, why are you here? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> you didn't play. My feelings. <laughs> uh, welcome to Steam-Powered Nate and Ben, where we also talk about the scheme. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I, um, I, I like, recorded <laughs> half of that. You cut out a whole bunch. Oh, no. It was, yeah. it was so padding and brutal. Yeah, but ben, you take the lead on this, because uh, you got a pretty good battle report. Okay, so I am... Um, so we were in wedge deployment, plant explosives. I really thought about bringing uh, Cornelius Bass and running each of the three masters I own once, but I, I've never put him on the table. And uh, at one and one, I felt like maybe this was going to be a scrappy game. 
So I brought <laughs> Nelly again yep. um, exactly right. because the schemes felt pretty tight, and until it's errated, and I, I think it probably should be, um, Nelly is undeliver a messageable because uh, she's got exclusive interview, which is that two inch. Basically, most of her models don't have an engagement range, but instead they have a two inch bubble where they control interacts. Um, so they can't stop you interacting like engagement wise, but if you try to, if you try to interact where they are, uh, which is, you know, super relevant for like power ritual or corrupted idols, they control the interaction and then they have attack triggers to make you interact. So <laughs> I wanted Nelly for, to, to stop, deliver a message because I thought now I'll know that he's not taking that scheme. He's locked into one of four. Oh, how wrong you were. <laughs> oh, how wrong I was. I didn't know if you wanted to spoil that, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Nelly's also good on detonate charges. Uh, it's a little finicky. It's not exactly like a steam miner dropping false claim or whatever, but um, because Nelly can drop, she, she's got the three actions, she's got don't mind me, she can drop a marker and then uh, attack somebody within two to drop a marker on their far side. And usually she can kind of shenanigan out detonate charges. Plus, she actually has an action that will, uh, with a trigger that you can stone for, force a model to make a charge. So if you if you set up against an activated model and use all three of her actions, you, you can sort of score it by herself, e- even if the positioning isn't perfect to begin with. Uh, so I, uh, I took Nelly, the printing press, I took a field reporter, I took Allison Dade, um, mostly because Allison becomes fast uh, if the opponent declares a scheme, so... I felt like she was another person who had an option to detonate charges or, um, you know, drop a bomb move, drop a second bomb. I took the jury because uh, I, I teched in an investigator. Uh, investigators are guild models that go with Lucius. Um, they have the elite keyword. And the elite's thing is that if they get obeyed, um, you draw a card, basically. If they get obeyed by something more expensive than they are. Uh, and I also had a false witness. So false witness is... It's an unreleased guild model by proxy to them, and it does have the false claim ability. Uh, so the, the, there's a little bit of synergy there too, because the investigator has a four-inch bubble where it can, it, if a marker drops within its four-inch bubble, it can move an enemy model three inches. Oh, so nice. it's a claim jump on, uh, yeah, it's a claim jump on the investigator with the idea that I'd put him in the middle and then use the false witness to drop up to four markers, plus all the markers that Nelly just puts out, and just keep shoving people away from it. And then I think my last model is just a guild hound to strap a bomb to and, you know, run a dog across the line. Uh, Nate, you want to say your guys? Yeah, uh, I found myself with this crew, because obviously I go, Captain Zip, and I know plant explosives. Like, that's all I gotta know. He's just magic with plant explosives. It's, it's, it's it, yeah, it pretty much just goes hand in hand. And I was like, well, even when I was building my crews, you know, up, leading up to this tournament, I was like, probably it's going to be got zip uh, round three. When you tell me Nelly is across the table, like it probably took me five extra minutes to build my crew. <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely felt like we got we got out the we got out of the gate uh, a little slower than usual, and it's partly that just between we was, there was a lot of stuff to shuffle around for some reason or it was like, a limited like, bathroom count and i was a store but there's a little bit of that too but i was like where did i get all this stuff there's so much yeah. to sort i was there's a lot of, i was like i don't remember bringing half this like what how would this get here and so like i'm between building the crew trying to use the app maybe the first time to build the crew and then just going screw it i'm just use cards because that's what i'm used to 
uh, I take Captain Zip, Earl Burns comes with him. First mate, automatically a take with this crew. He just lays two bombs pretty much by himself in like each game. I chose to take two taxidermists, which was, I guess, the interesting play here with the inferiority complex on them. Because I have to pick a pulse something. I am addicted to that model. <laughs> I can't, I can't stop hiring it. Literally, I think every single game I've ever played, it's got a pick a pulse. And uh, buy you Gator with 12 cups of coffee because it's cheesy fun. <laughs> so I, I give, I give the Gator a bomb. I give, I, th- I think I gave one of the taxidermists uh, a bomb. And the first mate got two. And then the Earl Burns had one because he's oddly, he's a totem that can interact while Captain Zip cannot. Yeah, that's, that was the kind of the rationale of the hiring. All I know is, and I was expecting. I guess the one thing is, once so once we deployed, we both got wedge deployment, just staring at each other across the table. I look across, and pretty much any time I've faced a Nelly, which has been zero, which is all in M2E, I expect something big and strong, like kind of to make up for the difference of the crew. But no, we're playing we're playing plant explosives. There doesn't need to be anything big and you know badass facing. Usually, there's a like a pale rider or something ready to shoot me. But when I see a bunch of reporters literally wanting to interview me, I was like, let's play. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to die. You're not trying to kill my stuff. This is so weird. I'm not used to this. Finally, a player who doesn't want to kill me. Yeah. No, you just wanted to, wanted to chat about all these bombs going. Yeah. Just field reporting. Yeah. Flash bright photographer, you know, (laughs) flash bulbs in my face as that'll come up later. Uh, I think I want initiative. If not, you had a setup turn. I forget what it was, but usually I don't do this. But the way the way that I saw you were deployed was there was an, about an eight inch stretch, and all your models were lined up on that to the tip of the to the tip of the wedge. Mm-hmm. And and then there's a piece of tree. There's a tree on your left, and a big old bush on your right. And I was like, I could fit three pianos in there. <laughs> so I, I yeah, this was incredible. Just, just kind of eyeballed it. You know, how, you know how much you know three forty mils can they land? I'm like yes. So right off the top of the turn two, I go with Captain Zip. I walk, I bring Earl with, I drop him off on the center line, basically. And then I walk again, basically, just literally within six of his crew. Uh, I turn on boring conversation just in case anything wants to go up against him, which is uh, you have to pass a TN10 willpower or lose your non-walk action within six of Zip. And then I discovered I had pretty bad cards in my hand, so I was like, well, I'll make use of this. So I dropped three, I discarded two to drop three pianos basically right on his crew, right on the line where they weren't touching any of his models. So he'd have to actually walk and knock them down if he wanted to get out of his uh, out of his deployment zone. And then each of those landing, I, I landed the trigger, I think I even stoned for it, where he had to pass, I think it's a move, God, what is it, like a move 14 duel, or take two damage. That sounds right. I feel like it was that range, yeah. yeah, it was. So it was across the board. So pretty much everything, but I think you deployed nine models, and I think six of those models had to pass those tests. And I one of the models was a buried undercover. So yeah. like every everybody except a field reporter and uh, the uh, target number fourteen willpower duel. Yeah, there it is. And so, in, which is really odd because the idea behind this is I'm trying to get cards out of hand, maybe all of them, because this is a lot of damage coming in. Uh, and most players kind of go for that, or at least half and half, but not this guy. No, no, no. Yeah, so my my secret was <laughs> I had, like, five weeks and a moderate in my hand. Um, okay, that was the other, that was what yeah. I, was I was like, <laughs> I think he's either got a bad hand, or he just really knows what he's doing or something. Like, am I doing something wrong? Is this going to turn into damage against me? 
Well, and like, so. luckily I, I passed a bunch of the tests because all the moderates and severes were in the deck. So okay. I, I think I took damage on three models. I, you did. And I, I did notice that you were flipping fantastic. I was like, yeah, yeah it's like you had a hot deck. I never yeah. put that together that you had a bad hand on that first turn. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Although we were, even with the first, the first mate probably could have charged done a lot, but there wasn't a lot of uh, attacks available that first round. Yeah, so my whole idea was just put a wall in your face yeah. and hopefully eat some more AP, because what I had following mm -hmm. up after this needed you to have less resources and to be in the exact same spot you were in. So that was the whole idea, was just keep you bunched up, because I need time to set up these models so I can do this with the Pegapult all over again. Right. So I I intuited just that much about the Pegapult. Like, I, I have not had a deep look at Bayou uh, because people in Omaha don't play it. Right. It's just my faction, that's all. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's a guy named Aaron who does, but he, oh, he's not been around as much. So I just sort of said, like, I am going to use this Hound, I'm going to use this False Witness, and, like, pick up pianos before they pop. So th there was a lot of uh, activation order pressure from that. And basically my thought was, I just need, like, Nellie and Allison and the field reporter to somehow break out of here. Run I, I really thought I'd lost it when Zip, like, just dropped everything. I thought, like, I, I just lost half my AP round one. Like, I'm sitting on damage. Like, I have no idea what to do. Like, my goal is to get that investigator-witness combo in the middle and try to, like, hold Allison and Nellie across to drop a uh, bomb. The, the last thing that I kind of had my hip the undercover reporter was buried and his 12 cups of coffee alligator kept like creeping up. Yeah. Um, so the idea was just like, well, as soon as he gets like far enough that he can run across and drop a marker, I'm going to send him home. Yeah, boot my ass back to the deployment zone. Yeah. 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 Which worked. I mean, like that did that one time. So, yeah. So, uh, I think so that what followed up after that was you pretty much stayed in between knocking the pianos down. What happened was you had your judge and, the uh, jury, but yeah. The jury, excuse me, the, the jury. So the jury says something like, at the beginning of her activation, summoned models take damage. So I, somebody's told me on the forum, we yeah. might have misplayed this. Yeah, uh, it, it's, with, it's with upgrades. Yeah. It's I never summoned upgrade. So yeah, your models might not have actually been... They don't take damage, because no, they yeah, don't have upgrades. Okay. So, it's, so when they, the Pigapult the, and the two taxidermists both say, after deployment, or after deploying this model, summon a stuffed piglet within three inches of whatever this model is. And, mm -hmm. and I do that, but there's no way to track that I've summoned them or not without upgrades. So yeah, it, it, no big deal. Like I said, it's, it, all it did was <laughs> it did change how I how I launched, what I launched, I guess. Because I was like, so it, it just any playing with these rules, knowing that every turn the jury goes, I'm going to take the damage. The pigs have two life. So basically, I'm looking at if he wins, at, if he wins initiative, all of my pigs are dead, and that's the assumption we were working with. So what happened was I just started going, I got to get rid of these pigs, all of them. Just got to kill them or get them in a place where when they do die, it works. It's not going to blow up in my own, my own crew. So what originally the plan was, was I was going to launch both taxidermists right into the middle of the crew. Each of them land for a move 15 with two damage on each model that, that, that doesn't pass that. Uh, and then my model gains slow and can't interact for the rest of the turn. So I pretty much got to do that with, I threw one taxidermist because without, without doing that, then I wasn't going to take advantage of what I was trying to do with the crew. Uh, and then I threw in a, a stuffed piglet instead of the other taxidermist. I instead kept a taxidermist back probably for the next, I was going to spread them out over two turns. And then, uh, 
I think I blew up that pig just to impose more duel. And at that point, yeah. like I said, I, I was just like trying to value out before I pumped it. Yeah, he still had a high hand. And I was like, man. So I think about then, that's when I realized, like, I, I'm not cheap cards because they're all bad cards. <laughs> yeah. Dam- damage was piling up pretty quick. And the whole idea was, okay, so all the softening going on between the pianos and the two landings from the pigapult, that when it's the taxidermist's turn, he just hacks something and it turns to a pig. He just magic wand, you're a pig. And then he's slow, so he can't do it again. But I started summoning. So your dog was pretty weak on that, at that point. I think I just gave him a whack and I turned him into a pig. A stuff flying, uh, yeah, like flying it was either the like dog or the false witness, but yeah, you you clipped the model and yep, got got a pig out of it. Got a pig out of it, and so the whole idea was to try to get four models in the middle of the crew, two of them landing, two of them summon. I think actually that's what happened. So uh, yeah, if something else had died, I think I had two models on top that were summoned after the the slow taxidermist turn. So the thing about the inferiority complex that comes with the taxidermist is that it's got fully, which is whenever I target a model with less cost, I get to pick I get to pick a, a pick a suit. Basically with this model allows me crit strike. I just get plus one to my damage. So they have a two, three, four, I think. This makes them a three a min three beater. And if I ever kill anything, they turn into a pig. And then they have a zero action summon a pig. As long as I got the right cards, which I think five to six or something. So the whole idea was just create chaos, get a bunch of corpse markers, start summoning from the get go. Because I knew that these would be picking up, uh, it, it, the flying piglets would be picking up bomb markers or granting slow. I, I, I wasn't sure yet. Yeah, I, I looked at your build after the tournament, and I, I mean, it's impressive, like how well that worked together. And I, I think what I was most amazed by is that the the pigs you can pull in are not insignificant models. Yeah, one of them is and one of them isn't. And so it's nice to have that flexibility. Yeah, and right. I'm, and, and I think my favorite thing is with the flying piglets, when you kill them, they turn into ski markers. And that is so useful because I can kill them too. You know, right, I, yeah. I can, shoot like my own, I can shoot my own models. So it basically charges, mm-hmm. does a bunch of attacks, or it can scheme, charge, maybe within two inches of model, and then I shoot my own model and that's that it charges. Right? So things like that can happen. So it's, it's pretty... They're really flexible. I really like the flying piglets. Um, I think the only other note I have about round one uh, was that Allison, I, I think Allison on round one clipped Earl Burns. You ran up to him at least because I hid Burns, Burns behind a tree. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure if I laid his bomb yet because he did a double walk. I don't think it mattered if you laid the bomb. But uh, he didn't, yeah. He did. And I think I think we actually talked when it happened about... So here's a rules question. but Because uh, I think Allison killed him top of round two, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was a red joker, too. Yeah, something. I mean, she... Yeah, she... Um, five damage or something. I couldn't stop it. I was like, don't look right. Um, my bomb. And, and that was the question, basically, was like... I, I think what happens to the bomb marker? Like, it, it drops, and she had two already, and so... Because there's the limit question. Yeah, I, I think the, we the limit assumed. the limit is only for when you when you actually put them on at the beginning of the game. Is it okay? I thought the other way. That's that was, it. Could only ever happen. Yeah. I mean, we like time got called, and so it wouldn't. Have, yeah, it, it was interesting. So, uh, so the whole t- and then off to my right, I was shimming the leader after every single activation. Twelve cups of coffee allows a, a minion to twitch, which is after a model that's not this model goes. I get the bitch, which is nuts. And I'm glad the Bayou has it, because that is a lot of fun to play with, especially when I get two of those. 
so as long as as long as I'm not engaged, the model gets to twitch. And so I was like, well, I deploy like 11 models. He deployed nine models. That's 23 inches out of a gator who has yeah. stealth, which is fantastic. Does the penetrating stench, which is not, nothing super special uh, in this crew. I forget the other one. Oh, flurry. It's on the front. So these are little tor- these are little torpedoes with a bomb mark. And so the whole idea was I was just going to shimmy this on up and lay it, lay the marker down, and then keep shimmying into and tor- torpedo into something squishy. So yeah, and it, I it get, basically lined up against my field reporter pressing the count then. So so yeah, so I went basically all the way to the center line, and right as I got there, it yeah. kicked me back. Which I think we had about six activations left in the turn. So I mm-hmm. shimmied right back into you, charged. It did three attacks, which those field reporters, those undercover reporters are a lot easier. Yeah, the, the undercover is shielding, the shielded, right? Right. So the undercover reporter is an enforcer. It has seven wounds and can, at, at the start of a round, it can uh, take staggered and shielded two with the hide in a barrel. A wonderfully thematic little trick. Yeah. So typically, you um, what, what, when you re- so you deploy it buried, you can start it out shielded and staggered, and then when it comes in, it's got some tankiness. It it does become slow when it replaces a minion. So I think I I maybe it just like walked it farther away from the gator to try to make you burn one more AP on a walk or something. But yeah, it's it stayed up through the gator at least in round one, I think. Yeah, I remember the gator did win. And it was I think at the top of turn. Perhaps, but yeah, it's I mean, three attacks is a lot to deal with. But I remember I didn't have a hand. Uh, I basically right. just, I, had one, I had the one card to flurry. I was like, oh, okay, we're just top teching this. But the beauty of the the the, the gators, at least with with this upgrade, is that they have a built-in ramp, which means that I always get a positive twist to every single damage clip. So basically, they're always working from straight. Right, they've got which is fantastic. There. Yeah. So they got a two, three, five damage tracker. Two, four, five. I'm not sure, but they pretty well. I think it's a two, four, five. They I tend to get a lot of damage through, but yeah, they're very destructive. But they're super easy to kill uh, if you get inside. They're very susceptible to charge attacks. They only have five lights. They die super. Uh, it's, a, it's it's really risky to put seven stones into a model and just blow over if you ever got close enough. But it's, I was yeah. hoping that I could kind of get around you or the, lay down a marker and then tie up one something. So yeah. Turn, so I think by the end of turn two, there was two pigs, a taxidermist in the middle of his deployment. Uh, I had my eye on that. Uh, what was it called? The investigator. The investigator. Yeah, it's not on the list for something. And, and then you had your eye on the investigator too, which was I, I wasn't expecting it. I didn't know that we both picked the same model. That was your claim jump, and that was my take prison. Right. <laughs> which so they're basically canceling each other out if we ever got to that point. So when you charged up that, we're walking him beyond the pianos towards the center point, I think by turn. There's a little gazebo sitting off to the left, or uh, right next to that claim jump. About cutting off about half of its space, mm-hmm. it, we determined at the beginning of the game that that was passable, because who wants to try to squeeze a tiny little bottle through a tiny little door? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you can so take the roof off of that. Oh, could you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, we, but that, that was actually yeah, my turn. We, we probably would have did that, truth be told, because that would have opened up about a third of the, the claim jump. For some reason, it was just sitting on the middle. Well, it, it would have really benefited me because yeah. on my side, the investigator would have just walked in. There. But Zip, well, no, Zip couldn't have flown into the building. There's some kind of indoor-outdoor rule on that, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. I just, we called it the claim jump gazebo, but we yeah. couldn't go inside of it. So it was cutting off. So he, and I remember, I, I was trying to take prisoner on turn two, but wherever that 
guy went, Nelly was right by his side. And I was like, why? Why are they side by side? Does he know? I have, what have <laughs> I done? What have I done to showcase this? Because why are they just side by side running together? Yeah, and, and in my head, I'm thinking without because the false witness had died to the tax. I'm thinking I need Nelly to drop markers to shove people away. Using, uh, pseudo aura. So yeah, you wanted to it. Accept. It was interesting that our scheme choice like put ourselves in direct contention right there in the middle. And, yeah, with with two with two interact heavy crews. Yeah, or I guess in my case, uh, pulsing damage, and you can't very much denial it seems. I mean, so, so, I, so I, like, I figured, sort of, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, when I hear Nelly, I just go, I'm never going to interact ever. She's going to have to do it all for me, and I'm not going to like a single, any of us. I'm just going to have to fight, like, and I didn't want to. So basically, yeah. I, the only thing I could interact with was things far away. So that's where the Raider was going, that's where Earl was going. Uh, the rest of the game was just right there in the middle of the table, reporters versus impulses and pigs explode. <laughs> Yeah, I love this game. So I, I, I feel like we we can sort of fast forward rounds two and three because like the Gator like fought and eventually killed the field reporter, but it took longer because of serene countenance. And Allison scored explosive markers on the other side, and the first mate like bolted across and dropped the marker. Yeah, one note uh, there was that that field reporter, that damn field reporter. She took a what was it the she gives stun somehow and uh, staggered. I oh. think uh, flat, flash Stag- photography. Stag your uh-huh. shuts down the upgrade the twelve cups of coffee. Hardcore. So I was not doing any more shifting. Uh, uh, I was yeah. stuck out the line being interviewed by a field reporter. Right. I was I was interviewing alligator. And, and that's probably worth like underlining for Guild and maybe Outcast. Like if you run up against that twelve cups of coffee like Guild has multiple models that have like stagger at twelve inch range. Um they're I think it's the judge and the lone marshal, so they're expensive models. But like on a free action, dealing a tiny amount of damage and stopping out of action movement is pretty good. Yeah. In hindsight, I didn't. What I didn't realize was I thought for some reason I thought that would drop off at the end of the turn. I sh- but it's really just when I go. Yes, yeah, I, I think I should just end go. of activation. I think we looked at it game. Yeah. All I needed to do was go with the gator, focus, do maybe lay down a ski marker, and now I can start shifting again. But I, I don't know. I think that's how it is. It, it staggered yeah. drops up at the end of activation. Yeah. And, and I think really the story of this game, like it, Nate probably would have had this more handled if he'd known the Nelly interact thing. And I, I really should probably have told him before the game. I, I'm no, just, I, I, I'm never, not used to being the guy who knows more about a figure than my opponent. Um, that's the, well, that's the thing about Malifaux. There's so <laughs> many damn strategies that yeah. I, this is my fourth year into the game. And I mean, we got, we got, models so it's like completely fresh start yeah <laughs> it's the wild west we're just everyone's learning at all times all the time you just got to be ready to be willing uh, a, be willing to read your opponent's cards which to right. me was i was like i just want to be quick i, I don't want to be like i felt like we were behind so i'll just i'll just deal but yeah i got definitely got steampunked by running up and trying to deliver a message to nelly she just gave it right on back yeah i think i uh i didn't have that awesome. but i did uh I had to drop a marker, which I think I used for detonate charges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, that definitely happened. But other, I think the other thing was, so your uh, zips zip has his, his melee attack is a two inch range, which is fantastic. That's hyping uh, people from interacting. But I don't, I don't think Nelly cares. But your right, your other guy did uh, the the investigator. But every yeah. time, I, every yeah. time I attack, I get to push three inches. So. I think there came a point where I was like, I get there's two squishy models sitting in the middle of the table. What is he doing? Literally 
claim jump. So I started attacking that model, not too hard, because he was my take prisoner. I didn't want to kill him, but I wanted to move him off the center point. And so I kept dropping him, like, outside, and then see somehow get back in. Something would push him outside. I'd try to do Nelly. She'd get pushed away, and then she'd just squeal on back. I was like, I'm, nev- I'm never going to take a prisoner. But I remember there was the one funny moment where you had, you'd had you gone past. Uh, Zip jumped in the way. The t- actually, t- he was on the line where you couldn't walk past him. You're tight, you're pinned between a gazebo and a bush. Mm-hmm. I've never done this before, but you're six inches from the tip of the wedge where my pig pole was. I just walked the pig pole to shut yeah, off the, shut off the way behind it. I was like, I'm, I was like, that's, I'm, I'm doing this wrong, clearly, but I just need something big and a wall like to box you in so you couldn't walk through the damn claim jump because you could have just walked around the bush. And I think that was just hilariously fun. Like, roads closed. Nope, you're stuck. Yeah, and I, I think there was some moment, like, in the last round where I I almost sprung him by, like, Nelly activated, made Zip move. But then Zip squealed. I think he did his trigger to got jump back. Well, I think I ordered him to charge or something, <laughs> and then I tried, I tried to make him drop a marker, and Zip can't interact. So I had, like, a reversal on, like, a gotcha moment with a master, so Zip couldn't drop the marker... To shove the pig a pole away from the investigator, so the investigator could run up to the claim jump, and yep. he's got better stuff to do. Can't yeah, and at that point, we yeah, exactly we uh, so so that basically was was what solidified that you were going to score or take prisoner, and I was not going to be near enough to the claim jump. So this was one of those games where we only got halfway through turn five, and so we kind of talked it out. And I mean, after time was called, he showcased that he could have did with one more activation, he could have done detonate the charges. And with one more activation after that, I could have picked up the detonated charges with, uh, <laughs> with, 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 the, with the first mate. So it's kind of like, well, it's basically yeah. wash, like, who won? But uh, it was five for more for him. I scored, what was it? Two you, take prisoners. You had two take prisoners two, and yeah. three markers. And I had zero uh, to deliver the message. Yeah. yeah. And you had. I, I think I had three markers and one uh, detonate charges. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Yep. That's how I read it. Okay. Yeah, but, but all in all, that was a really fun game. And when you said, I'm pretty new to Malif, I'm like, what? You could have you fooled me. <laughs> well, thanks. Like, yeah. Playing, holding, yeah, it was like, hey, you're playing a control crew that was, you know, exhausting me. Like, oh, God. <laughs> I knew yeah. there was a lot of shenanigans games she could do. And, yeah, turning her back to live in a massive surprise. I don't, I, honestly, I don't even know what I would have taken aside from that round three. Yeah, and I, I really think, like, that specific interaction probably needs an errata. Like, you can still do what other people do with engages, right? Like, I can run her with a field reporter, and the field reporter can control the deliver action, but I feel like Nellie shouldn't be able to stop it by herself. Yeah, I, I, I maybe she needs a help, I don't know. I, I would I mean, probably, the, looking at this, would have been hold up their forces for sure. Right, yeah. Those, uh, those flying piglets could have done that by themselves. I'm, I'm just trying to point out all the spots where Guild needs a nerve. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't yeah. know. It, it seems like in a lot of these tournaments they seem to be finishing like this. Like, like the I don't know how well they did at the the UK national, but not good, uh, not good. Which I think is let's not touch them. Yes. See. What time tell? Doesn't seem to be a lot of present players yet. So, I mean, well, you know, I'm just gonna quickly go look and see what we got for the UK nationals because we can actually look at that. Just to uh, let everyone know, it looks like guilds, uh, the top guild player took 43rd place in yeah, UK Nationals. Yeah, thousands and thousands, and that's actually good showing. Yeah. 
Uh, out of 86, 86 players. Okay, so literally at the half mark. Yep. So, um, that was turn three. Um, after that, I quickly did the math, and since I wasn't playing, I could do it a lot faster. Thanks to you guys and everyone for helping tear down. That was always nice for you guys uh, to help out with that, so I didn't have to force Kyle to do all of it by himself. Podium ended up going to, um, I'm not going to bother with names. We'll just say, uh, Podium went to Neverborn, Ten Thunders, and Neverborn. And I think part of that had to do with the fact that I allowed both Dead Man's Hand and Duel Masters in the tournament. As I said before, I just would like that information for Weird to make a proper decision about whether these things should be allowed or not, and outright banning them is not going to give them information they need, but this is a mark in the category that they might be a little bit overtuned, but um, I'll get into my opinion of that real quick. Handed out the prizes. I'm really proud because I do my prizes uh, by hand. My wife helps me. Thank you again, Victoria. Say hi. Hi. Uh, these yeah, times, great prizes. Yeah, these were ship wheels that I had spray painted in the uh, p- appropriate uh, podium colors, and then Victoria, with her nice handwriting, wrote on them. You you painted on them in in letters. <laughs> uh, thanks to Kyle Bodie, he lent me his prize box. So uh, instead of people only being able to have uh, store credit. They were given the option of taking something from the prize box, or given store credit, and there were some decent things in there, so a few people took uh, some of the items, so that was great. Ended up getting out of there around 7 o'clock. At least most people got out of there around 7 o'clock, so it didn't run too late. All in all, I think it was a really great tournament, and um, I'm very glad that I didn't play, because the previous tournament I was just dead. So, um, tournament results. One thing is we had a lot of Neverborn show up. 18 players and 6 Neverborn, and the most, uh, any other faction, we had 3 Outcasts and 3 Ten Thunders. 2 Bayou, 1 Arcanist, and 2 Resurrectionists. So, uh, no Explorers yet, but I don't know if any of those decisions were because I allowed the Duel Master and Dead Man's Hand or not. I know, I just know one player who normally plays Resurrectionist who chose to do... Actually, no, he chose to do Ten Thunder, so, no, so never mind. That's not evidence for anything. But um, despite Dead Man's Hand and Duel Masters, the only faction that did that at all was Neverborn. And for the most part, it was just Zoraida coming in as a second master. And then a little bit of Lilith, and someone took Colody a couple times. So I don't know if it's necessarily broke it, or at least this doesn't prove that it's broken. It just proves that it might be a little bit overtuned on the Neverborn side. Yeah, and we were using the uh, Gaining Ground Zero new schemes and strategies too. Yeah, but it was the the secondary take that was the prize for sure. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and then I, yeah, I I think one just one thought I had about Second Masters. This is actually I, I've been to one other tournament and. I, I had, like, at least read every Master card, but I had not read Kalodi because it's Dead Man's Hand. And so, like, my first match was against a Kalodi player, and he, he was good about explaining it to me, but, like, you know, five minutes later, four marionettes had been killed by their own guys, and they're stitched together, being animated out of them. They're all walking forward, getting obeyed. Like, I, it, it, it was a mess for me. And, I like, I don't have a chip on my shoulder exactly because there's a pretty good secondary market, but, like, these are models that aren't available to me as someone entering in. And I think, like, as the community continues to develop, that'll become more of an issue than it is now, so. Okay. 
it's it's two cents worth. I like, I, you know, I don't think that's hey, what you can. This, you know, no matter how bad the opinion is, you're on a podcast, so you can give it. That's right. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's talk about uh, the Shenlong in the room. Uh, Ten Thunders <laughs> brought Shenlong one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times, I believe. I'm gonna double check that real quick. And I didn't have to face them once. Or the Red Neverborn players. I oh. was very fortunate. One of, I really feel like Nate wasn't at the right tournament. One of uh, one of the Ten Thunders players uh, had a drop, so he only played two rounds. So yes, uh, seven four out of uh, seven uses out of eight matches is pretty strongly uh, in favor of Shenlong's. Maybe really good. That being said, one of those players is a person I know that's really generally good at the game in, in general, so uh, take that as you will. And he only he didn't bring um, Shenlong for all three rounds, but my thought is that it's quite possibly Craig Shipman's fault. All of it. Why is that? <laughs> uh, because um, right now we only have three, uh, at, well, two and a half podcasts. I haven't been that public no. yet, but... Very recently, like within a month, the Shenlong episode came out, as well as uh, one of his like roundtables talking about how great Shenlong was. So I don't think people not necessarily think he's broken, but they wanted to try it out. And this is yeah, one of so the first... Like, this is the equivalent of net decking, where basically you just build something you see online. Yeah, I, I, net decking has kind of a negative connotation. I think, I think this is just curiosity. So, I, I, I is like what boxes have been released, right? Like Shen Long, I think, is one of the first Thunder's Masters that's been re-released. So, yep, yeah. So, it's not, I don't think it's people are like, I got to quick go buy out, go out buy Shen Long and paint him up and play. It's like I, I feel like he was very popular beforehand. People have these models painted and ready to go. Yeah, hmm. Just put it to use. So. I don't think he's more broken than the, any of the other stuff is broken. I just think he's kind of like the current hotness. But well, that will remain to be seen. If I see only Shen Long in January, then yes, I'm going to be concerned. But other than that, as people want to play him. I just personally just wish there was a little bit more variety in the Masters brought to this tournament. Yeah, people play what they want to play, and they had fun, and I'm glad I let them have fun. So that's that's my opinion on that. Um, the only other thing I guess I wanted to talk about one, um, it was brought more this time around, but detonate the chargers seems slightly unnecessarily difficult compared to a lot of other schemes. Maybe um, for some factions, for Bayou, I actually look at that and I go, "That's super easy to pull off." But I, well, there's definitely crews that can do it easily, but not, it's not obvious. You, no. I think you need a trick. Yeah, it's, 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 I think it's always a trick. It's always a trick. Yeah, yeah. You, you need the, you need a trick as opposed to a lot tricky. of a lot of other schemes where you can just do it if you can do stuff. But the basic rule of you can't place a ski marker within four inches of another ski marker, and needing both of those to be within two inches of of an enemy model is kind of hard to do. And also, they can just kill their own stuff. Which a lot of other, you know, schemes prevent the opponent from doing that. But that happened to me today. It's like, oh, I, I got this guy boxed in, and he's slow, and he's surrounded by markers. I'm going to get my last point. He's like, no, I'm just going to kill it. And I can't, I can't stop yeah. that. It's, so, it's interesting to wonder, like, if, if the scheme, it'd be convoluted to write it, but, like, if the scheme also read, or if a friendly model kills, the, like, a model that is within two inches of two scheme markers, like, does that make it 
too powerful for Obey Masters to, like, accomplish it easily. Yep. But, I mean, it's, it's, to the, it's, uh, it's a really tough one to adjust, I think. Two markers within two inches of an enemy model, or, like, just compare it to other schemes, or I walk up next to your master and take an interact. Right, yeah. Like, it just it seems some of these... It's some for some uh, crews that might be easy to do, but also there's other schemes that could also be even easier for them. So I ever take it. Admittedly, this was taken a lot more. Um, I know one tournament I had it where I put it into one or two rounds and no one took it. But um, I'm glad people are at least trying it this time around. I don't think anyone scored two points off of it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure no one scored. Only because on Zip doesn't interact. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you got the uh, the was it the the, the the miners that can just drop two at a time? Yeah, no. there's Arcanist miners. There's harvesters. There's false yeah. witness. All have the false claim. Uh, it has a target number for the false witness. It's seven. I think some of the models have a six. The unique miner is a seven. Can, like, teleport ten inches. Yeah, uh, first, which is the the so, like. So, like for them, it's a pacing issue, right? They just need a Huxker that can go last in the round to score it. Yeah. And, and Nelly can score it if she goes last, like, pretty much by herself. Yeah, um, Union, Union Miner, that's what I was thinking of. Yes. Yeah, Union Miner is probably the most difficult, or False Witness, and, yeah. It's not enough models, I don't think. No, I agree. And and the other, I mean, yeah, if you've got a marker down, like, the, the gotcha ability would be to, like, run somebody up to the other side and just drop one at the end, but there's a lot of stuff that takes scheme markers off the board, and yeah. Yeah, even with that uh, cl- uh, false claim, if you remove one of those, the yellow one has to be picked up, so, I mean, no, right, a, so a, a, a marker has out, to be, yeah. so you gotta load it in the, your backfield, but there's still more AP you gotta put into this. Uh, anyways, that's that's me whinging about detonate the charges. Even though I play Iron Sides, it's actually pretty easy for me to tell. <laughs> the other thing is, is, I don't think Outflank and Power Rituals should ever be if you're if you're TO and you are um, you know writing these up and you're doing them on purpose and you're not randomizing. Don't put Outflank and Power Ritual together on a corner or Outflank deployment just for it's the sake. Yeah. Just for Standard the deployment wedge, that's where it belongs. Not not in flank, not in corner. Oh, goodness. Everyone took... Okay, not everyone, but let's see. Power ritual, outflank. Outflank. Power ritual, outflank. Outflank. Power ritual, outflank. One thing I learned that game, the one thing I was supposed to learn that game was be like everybody else and just be a cheese ball. Cheese ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everyone took at least one of those, it seems. And uh, there were two matches where it was both power ritual and outflank on both sides. It's just it's out, yeah. out, outflank is so nice because it, it just got, you don't have to do anything; just show up, right? As a compared to like harness, where it's six AP to get that stuff down, or uh, or is it search the ruins five AP to get pretty much get all those ski markers hanging out? Outflank yeah, is right. nothing like that. You just show up, show up and fight like you were going to. Get over there and focus, and you're good to go. I think, like yeah. personally. I think outflank should come. Should be, back. Outflank should be knocked down to two inches, and that way you can actually start blocking stuff off. Like if both you and your opponent pick it, if you you know put a put a fat fifty millimeter model in in that spot, you, suddenly your opponent's not going to be able to score it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, and make make lures relevant again, that kind of thing. That's yeah, that's true. I mean, it's lures already pretty relevant for outflank, but uh, yeah, stop the blocks, yeah. But okay, that was, that's the cool. information I've garnered as the TO and all the things I wanted to say. 
Um, I'm I'm good. This has been a great episode, and thank you guys for coming on. Is there anything else you want to want to talk about or argue with or shout out? I guess. Uh, yeah, I uh, I am the henchman in Central Minnesota. I'm running the Renegade next week, so I guess I don't know what time. When when do you plan on putting this out? Uh, well, since you mentioned that, now I got to go really fast. Okay, there you go. Do it really fast, and maybe people can catch it if they live in Minneapolis. Yeah, it, it might end up being like Friday, so you know. They got a data prep. Okay. Well, well, based on how you are doing things with all this data, I plan on doing the same thing. So hopefully, I have a lot of uh, a lot more to list for for what people do, what they take, all that. So I've already put the schemes and strategies out there. It should be a lot of fun. So yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, pretty much all I got to say about that. I I think I'll just echo like uh, Omaha runs tournaments, um, and it's a pretty easy drive to Moina, Omaha. I know. That there. there. There's guys in Lincoln who play. I think one and maybe two of them podiums at the Paddleboat <laughs> Massacring Hardy Boys tournament. Um, so, like, it's kind of fun to have this, like, I-8 scene where within, like, a three-hour drive distance, there's, you know, a couple dozen players, and um, a lot of them are pretty serious about skirmish. And, yeah, having... I, I don't know if anyone plays in Kansas City, but having... Twin Cities up there and St. Cloud on the way. Like, I, I'm I'm pretty excited about the Midwestern meta that we've got. Hell yeah, yeah. We're, like I said, we're we're having a lot of fun driving down. I know it's it's kind of a jaunt because I get off of work at midnight and it's like, well, we game at 10 a.m. Let's do this. <laughs> you know, yeah, just we drive. Yeah, just drive straight down and I sleep in the car pretty much. So, uh, but yeah, we plan on doing this quite a bit. So it's January 11th is the next one. Oh yeah. We've, We've got six already committed. It's on like so. Awesome. And we got some new locals that are getting interested in this game. I hope this ends up being huge. That's yeah, great. Get, yeah. yeah. Get those magic players. <laughs> snag them. That's what I'm doing up here. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's an idea. I just need to find some magic players. I don't want to go talk to people when they're playing their games. That's rude. I think they're around. Just pretty much look, you know, check, look around the corner. There they are. Under a rock or something. Oh, yeah, that's the game shot. We're behind a box. Don't <laughs> play. Okay. All right. I, I, I think that's good. I think we're good. Thank you guys for uh, telling us how you played and giving us some more feet. Uh, just talking about playing Malifaux. Yep. Thanks for having us. Yep. Thanks. And you, listener, thank you for listening. And as always, I have to say it now because I'm contractually obligated. Fun is always king. Have a good night. Songs used in this production are Villainous Treachery and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.